you, Kevin, and thank you, Bud and Elizabeth, and our drummer with us today. Yeah, glad to see him. Our theme this morning is that our God is a warrior. He fights, and he's a winner. And I turn you once again to Exodus 15, where the first song that Israel sang was a song about God as a warrior. Exodus 15:1, I will sing to the Lord, for he's triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he's thrown into the sea. He's my strength and song. He's become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. This is my Father's God. I will exalt him. And especially that phrase in verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. He's a man of war, some versions have it. The NIV says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Have you thought about God as a warrior? Jeremiah 20, verse 11. Jeremiah the prophet, who was lonely, unpopular, without comfort of a family, he said, the Lord is with me as a dreaded warrior. You know, when nobody likes you, the whole world's against you, it's good to have God for you. And Jeremiah said, God is with me like a dreaded warrior, so my persecutors will stumble. My enemies will trip up. Now why does it seem like sometimes God is asleep? That he's not fighting. He's not standing up for himself or for his people. It seems like on occasion, for a course of time, that God may be asleep. There's actually a verse in Psalm 78 that when it in the context of Psalm 78, the, the people were being abused by the foreigners, the strangers, and the marauding armies, and the temple worship was being abandoned. And Psalm 78, 65, Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout and to everlasting shame. All of a sudden it seems like, wow, who is that? You remember Jesus in the temple. Jesus has gone about for three and a half years. He's been healing people. I read this week how he brought the little children to him. He told the disciples, step back. And he put the children on his lap and he prayed for them and he blessed them. You read how he raised the dead, opened the blind man's eyes, caused the lame to walk. 
And then suddenly, he comes into Jerusalem, into the temple, and he walks in, and he cords a whip, and he turns over the money changers' tables, and you have coins going everywhere, and he takes the whip and drives out the animals, and, and it causes chaos. Whoa! Who's that? Sometimes God seems to act out of character. Now, of course, what I'm getting at here is there's a debate going on with this virus. And that is, did God do this? What's going on here biblically and theologically? Uh, are we in the last days? Is it a sign of the times? What is God suddenly up to, if anything? And I remind you here that God is a warrior. And I also remind you that Israel had been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And all of a sudden, God shows up. It's like he woke up. Like a man aroused out of sleep, the psalmist said. Like Jesus suddenly coming into the temple and being fed up with it. Let's ask this question. Why does he fight? Who are his enemies? And in the context of Exodus 15, remember that they have just come out of Egyptian bondage in chapters 13 and 14. They've just crossed over the Red Sea. In Exodus 15, that we said, uh, took our text, where they sang that he's a warrior. This shows us that God suddenly showed up and fought for his people. What was he doing? Who were his enemies? Exodus 9.14 gives us a pretty clear hint. God said, at this time I will send all my plagues on you and on your servants, your people, so that you will know there is none like me in all the earth. There's none like me. You see, the Egyptians thought the Nile River was a deity. So they held it to be sacred because it only rains about two inches per year in Egypt. And so the Nile, when it would overflow, it would, they would irrigate with the overflow and that's the way they got their gardens watered. But God, in the first plague, turned their deity into blood. He turned the whole river into blood. The place stank. In chapter 8, they thought that frogs were sacred. And they even, you can even find uh, pictures in archaeology where the, they had a man with a frog's head because they were deified. So what did God do? He sent frogs, their symbol of fertility, and they just filled the land, filled the houses, filled the kitchens. 
slimy, nasty, green frogs. So much so it says that the whole land stunk. So much for that as a God. In other plagues, hail and boils and gnats came upon the land from which they took their living. They even worshipped the sun, which they called, uh, called Ray, sun god. So God turned everything black and dark so that you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And they appealed to Pharaoh, get us out of this, and Moses turned to God. By the way, when uh, God turned the whole land dark, it says there was only light in the houses of Israel. One other God, they worshipped Pharaoh and his firstborn. They felt that Pharaoh was a, a God, that he was an incarnation of divinity. And so God, the true God, said, I will kill your firstborn unless you let my people go. And let's be precise. God is a warrior. Who are his enemies? Idols. Who does he fight against? Idols. Listen to Exodus 12, verse 12, in describing the plagues. God said, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. God does not necessarily make war on people. He makes war on their idols. But if they cling to their idols, they will go down with them. And so God will in mercy permit people to live on and on with their idols. He will appeal to them through the word and through conscience. But there comes a point where God will arise like a man out of sleep and he will say, I'm sick of these idols. I'm done with these deities. The true God will now manifest himself. He wakes up like a mighty warrior and puts the idols down. Sometimes... God goes global. He'll just be fed up with all the idols in the whole, in every nation, the whole world. You see it when Hitler tried to replace Christianity. He promoted himself as a messianic figure with a thousand year reign, he said, would come through him. He replaced Christian symbols with swastikas on the top of a Christmas tree. They required swastikas. And instead of Christmas hymns, they sang nationalistic, patriotic German songs. Nations began to bow down. And Berlin would be the center of this new Reich, this kingdom for a thousand years, he said. But it didn't even last five years because God arose as a mighty warrior. Japan 
deified their emperor, Hirohito. He was supposed to be divine. This was in their constitution. They, it's called Shintoism. They worship the emperor. But God arose after hundreds of years of this false religion and this idolatry. God stood up and Jap the Japanese bowed before the true God and when they surrendered to General MacArthur in 1945, MacArthur required in the new constitution that they would never again worship their emperor as divine. And they agreed. Down goes a God. And then MacArthur said, send in the Bibles. They had th hundreds of thousands of Bibles shipped into Japan. Isaiah 34 said, Draw near, O nations, to hear. Let the earth hear, the world, and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against the nations and furious against all their host, that is, their idols, their gods, and he's devoted them to destruction and given them over to slaughter. That was World War II. Sometimes God goes global. Sometimes he goes financial. We trust too much in our money. Micah chapter 1 verse 2. Hear you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth, the, the idolatrous places. And I will make Samaria a heap in the open country and uncover her foundations. And listen, this is Micah chapter 1 verse 7. And all her carved images will be beaten down and all her wages shall be burned with fire. Her wages he will withdraw when the wages are fully invested in the idols. Remember the recession of 2008? Also called the Great Recession. Did it affect us? It affected all of us. A lot of times when God declares war against the idols of a city or a nation or the globe, it will affect God's own people. But in the Great Recession of 2008, we came out. Like, e like Israel coming through the Red Sea, we were delivered. Sometimes God can bring, He can stand up against even a basic necessity, like water. Jeremiah 50 verse 38, a drought against her waters that they may be dry, for it is a land of idols and they are crazy about them. Remember the Flint water crisis? You say, well, God didn't do that. It cost Flint 
One estimate was $400 million in damages. You think there's $400 million out there that God's not involved in? You think an entire city lacks and their children are poisoned by bad water and God is not involved? Amos 3.6 Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? See, God is a warrior and He stands up on occasion and He will come against idolatry. He must do this because how can the God of truth live with a world covered in lies? Let me just give you three quick things to remember here. First, remember that God is worthy of all the glory. He's worthy of it. Jesus said when He was coming in and the children were praising Him and the Pharisees said, they shouldn't praise you as God. And Jesus said, if the children don't do it, the stones will cry out. There's something about the greatness and the glory of God and His Son, Jesus Christ, that it just drives the entire creation to praise Him. To let idols exist is to let lies exist. It's to let deception live rather than truth. So God will rise up against the idols. Psalm 29.2 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 4.7 <clears throat> What great nation is there that has a God so near to the, as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? Think of the miracles Moses had seen. The ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, shoes never wearing out in Deuteronomy 8. But he says at the end of his life in Deuteronomy 3, 24, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or earth who can do such mighty works as yours. Now that's at the end of his life. And at the end of his life, he says, oh God. And who saw miracles like Moses? But even Moses said, I have yet to see what you can do. We have just begun to see the miracles, the greatness of your power. Therefore, a church should have a vision that exceeds its ability, goes beyond its prayers and its faith. You have only begun to show your servant. When God has done His greatest work, we can look up to heaven and say, God, you've just begun. Second, Let's ask ourselves something here in this crisis that we're in. If God is a warrior and He's declared war on idols, what are the idols in our lives? And what is essential? What do we call essential services? Well, the liquor stores are open. 
Did you, did you know that's an essential service considered by the government? The abortion clinics are open. And did you know that strip shows are open? Did you know that? You would not know that, would you? I saw a sign the other day, and I looked this up online. I said, our strip shows, essential services, they're open. The sign said, virus-free strip show. <laughs> well, it's better than a virus-filled strip show. But what is essential? Let me ask you, what's essential? Can you give up the church? Is that essential? Can you give up the preaching of the word of God? Or is it like Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from his mouth. What's essential? And then third, trust in God. As we've sung this morning, after every war of God, when he has stood up and swept through in his declaration of war against idols, not people, but idols. The reason people get caught up in it, we're caught up in the idols. But in his war against idols, when it's all said and done and the dust settles and the smoke clears, God's people will be better off. In Exodus 14, after the ten plagues are over and the people were delivered, Exodus 14, 28 says, The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of Egypt and all the host of Pharaoh that followed them into the sea. Not a single one remained. Every enemy was defeated. This is how we end with our enemies defeated. Josephus said that in, in commenting on that verse, he said, what would happen is that the, the Red Sea, it would wash up the goods and the property and even chariots and weaponry would wash up on the shore and the Israelites would go down and just plunder and pick up the spoils of the battle that they didn't even fight. Yes, God is a warrior. We must make sure we let go of our idols. And we've all got things that we cling to, but let God have it and worship Him alone. He will win and it will be a wonderful victory. Let's close in prayer. We've got a song. I'm going to ask Bud if they would come and sing Our God, Our Lord is a Warrior. But let's pray while they're coming. Father, thank you that Jesus is a mighty warrior and that he will win in his victory over idols. Amen.